We thank you that you are everything to us. And we uh, are asking today for the uh, for your Holy Spirit, that you send us your Holy Spirit to lead and guide us into all truth as we study. We're thankful that you blessed us to see another day, Lord. And uh, we are just uh, asking, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would open up our understanding and lead us into all truth. And Lord, we're also asking you to remember the people in Maui, Lord, and, and the burden and the suffering that they're going through. We ask you to send them help, Lord. Uh, whatever help they need, we're asking you to send it to them. And then, Lord, we just we just ask that um, as we studied this this lesson, that we would hide the principles of this word in our hearts, that we might not sin against thee. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Okay, as I said, um, I'm going to take a moment now to share this live stream on my social media pages, and if you wish to do so, now would be the perfect time to share it also. So give me just a moment. Okay. All right. So the title of the lesson today is Be Not Deceived. This is a short chapter today, so we may finish up early today. Um, but um, it's dealing with um, basically the enemy's job. And his job is to deceive God's people. And as you see right in the opening paragraph, it says his work basically is to deceive God's people and lead us away from righteousness. And it says he will leave no means unguarded. Hence the importance of fortifying every point. And that brings to my mind the scripture in the Bible that talks about putting on the whole armor of God. And 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 does, does anybody remember what that whole armor entails? Well, I think it has a breastplate of truth, right? The feet shot with the everlasting gospel. Uh, I don't know what the helmet is for. Uh, so I would have to look it up in my, uh, and I'm going to look it up in the Bible. So okay. I can give it all correctly. Yeah, I thought you would start with the helmet. <laughs> Well, I don't remember the that, that, That's what Satan is after. He's after our heads. He's after. He's after. So we'll give you a minute to look that up. So it's but, the, belt, the belt of truth, the shoes of peace, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, the sword of spirit. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay, so my, my network is not working over here for some reason. Is that was that from the Bible? Um uh Andre? Ephesians 6 13. Okay, so I I have to wait till my internet comes up. <laughs> okay. So so what it makes me think of when I think of putting on the whole armor <laughs> of God and that 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 basically describes it in the Bible is I think about you know, basically, we want to plug up any any areas we want to have on that armor. Uh, and so I think about uh, having a, a, an inflatable, like when you go into the water, having an inflatable. And you don't even want a little pinprick in that inflatable. If you're out in the, let's just, let's just say you're out in the ocean. Mm -hmm. and you're depending on that inflatable to hold you until someone comes to rescue you. You don't even want a pinprick in that inflatable. Because what happens if you even have a pinprick in it? The air is going to get out and the water is going to get in. Right, exactly. And you know so, what? That's probably worse than a big blow because it'll it'll probably float long enough for you to get farther and farther away from <laughs> away from the um yes. land. Yes. The further out you get, the harder it is to get back in. And yes. also it's going to give you a false sense of security. Mm -hmm. Like you said, because it's going to keep you afloat longer 
than if a shark just came and took a big bite out of it and suddenly you go down. And so you're absolutely right. And so every day the enemy is looking for ways in to our souls and to, to lead us astray. And we can't even so much as have a pinprick in that armor. Well, think about the days when we don't even avail ourselves of the armor. We don't even ask God for it. And some days, you know, it may be difficult for us to put it on, but guess what? We can ask God to put it on us for us. Just like a, uh, just like a person who uh, needs a caretaker. Mm-hmm. They can't even put on their own clothes. Mm-hmm. And they have a caretaker to put it on. Right. Why can't we ask God on those days? God, make sure that you help me put on your armor today. Amen. Amen. You understand? So anyway, so that we are guarded against the enemy. And because he leaves no means untried to get in. Right. Right. And you have you ever have you ever uh, had an air mattress that had a leak in it? And you can try your darndest to find where that leak is and repair it. And I'm telling you, I tried and it was impossible for me to find the leak. I eventually just threw the thing away and it was a good air mattress. So yep. you go to bed at nine o'clock, nice and fluffy. You got a nice firm air mattress and around 3.30 in the morning, you're on the floor. Right. <laughs> and it was a good air mattress. I really wanted to find that leak, but I could not find it. And I tried all the tricks they, they had on YouTube to find the, 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 the leak. And I could not find it for nothing. I could not find where the leak was. I finally just threw it away. And so we can't, we don't want to put ourselves in that position because that's the very position that the enemy uses to get in and get at us. So anyway, she's, she's talking about the church in Battle Creek. And we read in earlier chapters how the church in Battle Creek really turned against them and thought all kinds of bad stuff about Sister White and her husband. Uh, down to the point where she couldn't even buy a, a suitable chair for her husband with, in his ill health, a chair that would comfort him uh, in his ill health. And they thought she was spending too much money. Then they thought he was, he was uh, money hungry and greedy. And then they thought they were uh, um, asking, the, asking people for money when they didn't need it, didn't need money. I mean, it just, the list just went on and on and on and on. And they were just slandering these poor people who had dedicated their lives to God so much that this man, even when he was sick, he was going out and trying to witness for the Lord. And he was too sick to do it. Mm. And um, so they had really turned against them. But then she says in this paragraph, she says the church at Battle Creek did not mean to turn against them. And that's really something after reading, uh, you know, some of the other chapters where you see what they had done to them. And uh, remember, there was one chapter where they were throwing out things and the son, their son asked, could he keep the empty bottles and see if he could sell them? And then a man who happened to be riding in the carriage went and told people, oh, this man is just, he, he's, he's, he's peddling trash, basically, because he's so greedy for money. Just craziness. But anyway, she says the church of Battle did not mean to turn against them. She said they are just as good, as just a, a good of a church as any that is, is living. She said, but because there's so much at stake at Battle Creek, Satan would bring all his artillery against them, meaning the church, if by sowing, by doing so, he can hinder the work. And we know, we know that those who are on the front lines, those are the ones that, that are attacked the worst. Because Satan is determined that he's going to turn them out of the way. Mm-hmm. And he's not going to let them advance in the cause. We know that uh, from just some other writings that when Sister White was writing the conflict series, she was bedridden the whole time. Hmm. But the angel of the Lord told her, don't stop. Don't stop writing. it." And so she kept on writing. But but the Satan put her in the bed, sick, the whole time she was writing the conflict series. But I'm going to add to it, uh, Karen, what you said about the Battle Creek Church didn't mean to turn against them because there's a lot of people who don't even realize that they're fighting for the devil. They're doing his will. Uh, mm-hmm. They think they're doing right. Just like Saul, when he was uh, persecuting the Christians, he thought he was doing right, but he was way wrong. 
but mm. you know there's many of us now who may be thinking that they're doing right many people think they're doing what's right by bringing something to your attention or by going against some uh, something that someone suggested but that's satan using them and it says that he'll do basically satan to do anything he can use anybody he can work through anybody he can if he can just hinder God's work from moving forward. So when mm -hmm. we feel like people are persecuting us or when we feel like, you know, this person is doing the wrong thing, just always, we should always be prayerful that God will open their eyes to the truth of what's going on and help them to realize that that's not the, the route that Christ wants them to go. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've actually been in situations where, you know, all hell is broken loose. And I was like, Lord, what in the world is going on? You know, and then I, then the Lord said, just take a step back and look at what's happening over here. That's why this is happening over here. And I said, oh, okay. And it's almost like the Lord is saying, don't stop what you're doing over here because of what's happening over here. Because now that, that I've opened your eyes, you can see why that over there is happening. You know? Just keep on progressing towards where I'm leading. You know, has anybody else had that experience before? No, not, not just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's kind of hard sometimes to know what, like for me, if I brought something upon myself, you know, I think we always kind of take a look at what am I doing? But like you said, if you're doing the work for God, whether it's a big work or a little work, and it may not mean very much to you at all. It might be just the way, you know, life is for you. Well, Satan can't have that, you know, especially not if it's progressing at all. You may not even see the progression, but it may be working on somebody else's heart. So you may get sick, you know, bills become some kind of way. Everything starts falling apart. Car, car needs to be fixed. Electric go out. All kinds of stuff just coming up against you. And it's easy to feel like, well, you know, what am I doing wrong? And I don't know why we always think we're doing something wrong rather than, you know, this is just the way that certain works. And a lot of times when you first come into the church, especially then, you know, or you're um, like, you're not really in church, but you're kind of watching someone else who's in church and you uh, are moving towards that person. Then same will let all kinds of things happen in that person's life, whether it's, you know, um, you know, lose their job, uh, people talking about them, or they are in the middle of some type of, you know, mess, then the person like, they ain't all that, they ain't supposed to be Christians, and stuff like that, so yeah, I think so, I think it's always, that possibility is always there, you know. I think to it, if you are not moving forward the work, work of God through your words, deeds, action, lifestyle, or any other method, the devil ain't concerned with you because you're not bothering him. He's progressing and you're not a hindrance to him. But when you become a hindrance and that can be, happen in many ways, it don't have to be that you become an evangelist or a preacher. You could just be living a lifestyle of a Christian. You could be um, moving forward, giving out good, good information and other methods through seminars. You could be just talking to people about the Lord or whatever it is, it might be small, it might be big, he's not going to bother you until he sees, hey, this person's trying to move God's work forward. I got to stop him. So if you're not doing anything for Christ, he's not worried about you. Well, I, I think he is. I think he doesn't want you to do anything for Christ. Well, he, so even when, like, when you're not doing something for Christ, he's constantly pushing you back or when the word of God come into your brain, he's putting more things on your plate, whether they're good things or bad things. You know, he's causing problems for everybody. You know, uh, they may not interpret it as um, as Satan and stuff. And then you're really much more vulnerable to being lost because, you know, he's probably really trying to snuff your life out because you, you have not made a decision for Christ. So I think he's just after everybody, anybody and everybody, just 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 making a nuisance of everybody's life. Well, it's funny that you said what you said, Lee, because sometimes I will ask the Lord, you know, because I just feel under attack from the enemy. And I say, Lord, 
why is he attacking me like this? Surely I'm no threat to him because I'm no spiritual giant. I'm not out there like an E.E. E. Cleveland or some of the people out there just, you know, holding 10 efforts and baptizing hundreds of people at a time, you know, but I think it's what you said too, Lakita. He's just after everybody, no matter how small or big your contrib your contribution is, you know, but I, I've, I've had that conversation with the Lord. Lord, why is the devil after me? I mean, you know? he's, he's after anybody and everybody and you know, just making everybody miserable. And, you know, uh, when you're looking at people who want to die by suicide, you know, these people don't have to be in church. You know, I mean, he wants you to be dead because if you are dead in your sins, then you there is no no chance for you to ask for forgiveness. And then he becomes responsible for those sins that you committed. So, you know, it's he's just he he wants everybody and he wants to prove through people's lives that, you know, what God said is not true. You know, nobody can live, you know, a good, clean life. But you know what? You almost think, okay, that he would want the reverse because he will, he will have to burn for the sins of everyone that's lost. So would think you would think he would want the opposite. He would want as many people saved as possible so he don't have to burn for them. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I don't know what the logic is and the reasoning is, but I do know that he hates Jesus. And anytime he can make us be deformed, not like Christ, living a life that is not to the glory of God, he's going to do that, right? Yeah. It's really, and if that person can lead other people, it's like Christ wants us to lead people to him. Satan wants to, you know, to... Um, uh, recruit people into his army too. You know, he wants to prove you just, you know, this way that God is talking about is not doable. Although Jesus came and now that's not a, vi a valid argument anyway. So he wants to disprove that Jesus is not the way, the truth, and the life. Right. And he also wants to mar the image of Christ. He doesn't want us to be like um, beautiful um, moral, character-wise, loving, kind people. He doesn't want that, right? Because that is Christ and he hates Christ. You know, he just hate his guts. He was jealous of him in heaven. He got, he lost a fight. You know, he's an enemy of the Lord. And like your enemies, they want to kill your kids. They ain't not trying to uplift and, and boost up your children. They'll pretend and lure your child from you so that they can turn them to shreds and make and bring your child back up and bring your child back a drug addict a, addicted to drugs you know hopeless you know a hot mess you know that's what satan wants to do that he can hinder the work of god he's going to do it and that comes in various forms god's work is to let others know that god is love and that jesus christ is his salvation uh, that salvation is through Jesus Christ. So anything he can do to stop that from happening, he's going to do it. And for us to look like, to be like Christ. He does not want people to, he do not want the scales to be removed from our eyes and to see how much Jesus loves us. He does not want that. He's not happy and he doesn't want you to be happy. You know, uh, I watch a lot of nature shows on Friday evenings, and um, it's interesting that the Bible refers to Jesus as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Then it also refers to Satan as the lion that walks about as a, I mean, as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And so when you watch nature shows and you see like a, a, a lion over a, a pride, he has his females and then if, if another male lion comes in and challenges the uh, lion, the male lion of that pride and kills him, what, he, what, that, what that challenger will do is he will kill all the cubs that are in that pride because they were by, like you said, he, he'll kill all the children of the tribe, of the pride. And, um, that, that's just an interesting analogy that he doesn't he, he doesn't 
want them around. He wants his own children. Yes. Yeah, he does. Okay. Um, and so uh, she talks about there being much at stake at Battle Creek, which again, Battle Creek was on the front lines uh, in the in you know in the early years of the church. And um says um he'll do anything he can and bring all his artillery against them if he can hinder the work of the church. So she said that she and her husband deeply sympathized with the church at Battle Creek because they had humbled themselves, they had repented, and they were in a condition to say, and she, I guess basically her advice to them was, let not a spirit of triumph arise in anyone's heart that they had triumphed over anything. But she said, God would heal all the wrongs of this, this, these people and yet make them a mighty defense of his truth if they would walk humbly and watch and guard every point against the attacks of Satan. Back to having on that whole armor of God, not having any places in that armor where Satan could get back in again, mm-hmm. which, which, um, which is a daily walk and it's a daily humbling of yourself and it's a daily allowing God in and it's a daily, like, you know, if you, even if be, even when you get up in the morning, say, Lord, help me to put on your whole armor. And if I am weak today, put it on for me. I need you as my caretaker today. Mm-hmm. Put that armor on for me. Yeah. Uh, and then she, she goes on to say that, that the people at the church in Battle Creek, because they were on the front lines, and uh, she said, no other church would probably have stood it as well. And so she says, therefore, you know, take a pitying eye towards them. And then she talks, next paragraph, she talks about. Oh, under tells me I'm breaking up bad. I'm not sure why that's happening. Um, can you all hear me okay? I can hear you fine. Okay. Okay. Um, she says when her husband was inactive and uh, she had to be at home to take care of him, she said Satan was pleased because that kept them off the road, that kept them from doing the work that God had for them. She said, uh, and no one was pressed by him to cast upon them such trials as are mentioned in the foregoing pages. But she said, when they started out in December of 1866, he saw that there was a, Satan saw that there was a prospect of them doing something in the cause of Christ to the injury of his cause. And so, excuse me, (coughs) said that, some of his deceptions upon the flock of God will be exposed. So Satan therefore felt called upon to do something to hinder their work. And in no way could he so effectually do this as to lead their old friends at Battle Creek to withdraw their sympathy and to cast burdens upon them. And he took advantage of every unfavorable circumstance and then he drove these means as if by steam power. So it's interesting as she was saying that when they were inactive, then the devil wasn't doing nothing. But then once they got to be inactive, now right, he back back up. Right, exactly. And it's like when you're walking with the devil, you're no threat to him. But when you turn around and face him, oh baby, (laughs) then you're doing battle. And he's like, oh no, no, we can't have this. And so he, that's when he starts stirring the pot. But thankfully, and that's where that whole armor comes from, or that's the purpose of that whole armor. I remember uh, Elder Cleveland had gave a sermon and he pointed out that a lot of people are saying when persecution starts, then I'm going to start witnessing in earnest. And he pointed out that it's the witnessing that brings the persecution. Mm. It's not the other way around. Once you yeah. get up and start doing God's will, then the devil's going to start trying to stop you. 
Yeah. And, you know, I have a thought on that, too. You have some Christians that say, well, as long as I'm, you know, going to church, returning my tithing offering, I don't need to do anything else. And my thing of it is, what about the commission that God asked you to do to go out and tell the dying world and to plant the little mustard seed? And so sometimes I think when we're not doing anything, we're st- we're not on God's side because God is telling us, if you love me, keep my commandments, and he's telling us to go out there. So, you know, it could be that you're just sitting back doing nothing, but you still think that's okay. And I think if you search your heart, you will find out that's not okay with God for you just to sit on, on information that he's asked you to go and share. Well, that's like the unprofitable servant, though. You know, or the man or the one that was given two talents and he went and buried it in the earth. And that's also the, what the whole it's point man. of the Great Commission is to go. Go you therefore into all do the world. something. You don't have to, you know, everybody don't have to do the same thing to be considered as going to share the message, but we all are called to do something. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think when I see the word inactive, I think they just sit back and just say, you know, I'm, they done got complacent. When I see the word inactive, it's not that you don't have the Holy Spirit and abilities to do it. You're just comfortable by not doing it. Well, yeah, that's where Laodicean comes in at, right? You know, we're neither hot really for the Lord or cold against God. You know, because when you're comfortable, you know, you don't need, nothing moves you, right? And this is why we get moved this is why some of the lord allows to, uh, problems to come too is because we need to be hot or cold we need to take a stand and he says i spew you out of my mouth for the spew i looked that up he says like vomit he's gonna vomit you out of his mind it makes him sick it makes his stomach hurt you know makes him nauseated to see us not using a time talent temple and treasure to do anything with it you know but yeah that that feeling of comfortable is a real killer right? They're saying, what is this word that they say when you, the sedentary lifestyle is a new cigarette smoking. It's just as deadly to be still and comfortable as if to be actively smoking cigarettes. And then right at the last- I've never heard this before. Right at the last part of that paragraph, it says, you know, when we run across people who are not active and they're sedentary and they're to seeing or whatever, you know, it's our job to love them more and pray for them more. You know, not to get upset, but to love them and to pray for them more. Yeah. That God Amen. Yes. Yes. Love toward them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think we, you know, and I'm not for sure. I am. I, um, I don't think we really realize how much, like, like what the life of the apostles were about and what the life of Sister White was. Can you imagine her whole life was dedicated to this message, to just doing this, you know? And I don't think we, when you look at us and our, um, when I look at myself and my own outreach efforts, it's a long way to go. When I look, think about the apostles and stuff, yeah, live for Christ. That's all they did. It was that's it. And I know we're not all called to do that. But when you think about it, you know, everything was for the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yep. But I think as we study and, and get to learn more about Jesus, I think there's a fire in our hearts as Christians to say, I got to go out here and witness. God gave so much to me that I can never repay it, but at least I can go out and make sure I'm telling somebody about his goodness. And I think that's why studying is so important, even in your private time, when you may not be around anybody and you have those, you have your prayer room. I think that's the time where God strengthens you the most to go out. I think, I think so too, is that, you know, um, he strengthens you the most. And it should come from that spot, Pessy, where God has done so much for me. L.G. White says we should, you know, remember, and I hate to use the word meditate because sometimes Christians think that meditation is wrong, but we're supposed to meditate on God's words and on what he's done for us, you know, going back over all the blessings 
that he's done, the time he, you almost died, the time, you know, um, your marriage was saved, the time that your children, you know, uh, came around, you had prayed for some secret thing, and then the Lord blessed you openly. So I think, you know, that really does help us to, to say, um, there was that song we used to sing, we don't sing these type of songs anymore. Stop and let me tell you what the Lord has done for me. You know, and that used to be a little song that people sang. And that's kind of where the real witnessing is. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so basically, she's saying that um, the enemy took every advantage of every unfavorable circumstance. And then he drove the matters as if by steam power to turn the church of Battle Creek against them. But she says in the next, in the last final paragraph, she says, but thank God the enemy did not stop them nor fully crush them. She said, thank God that they still live and that God has returned graciously to bless his erring, but now repenting, confessing people. And then she says, Brethren, let us love them the more and pray for them the more now that God manifests his great love to them. So in this, in this chapter, we're seeing, we're seeing a spirit of repentance from the church, but we're also seeing a spirit of forgiveness from the whites. Mm -hmm. And I, I think those are two things that we should take from this from this chapter, um, that when you have genuine repentance and the spirit of humility, then our response should be forgiveness. Any comments on that? Yeah. But we live in a society where if, you, and I'm just gonna speak for the church, that if your buddy, if somebody says something, whether they meant it or not, in the way that your buddy took it. We live in a, a, a world where there, there, I don't want to say clicks, but they say to one person, don't ever forgive that person. You give that person a piece of your mind. And that's not what God told. You know, and, 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 you know, and some feel like I'm pressured into it to tell that person off because this is what my friends in the church say. Otherwise, I look to them like I'm not part of them. And I, I think, you know, it's a sad thing when church members can tell another church member, don't ever forgive that person. That's really sad. And they phrase it, they phrase it like this. You better than me. Because if it was me, I would have died, died, died. Right? Right. Amen. Um, yes. One time, um, I think it was, uh, it might have been him. Um, what is this guy's name? C.D. Brooks. C.D. Brooks. I can say C.D. Brooks. So C.D. Brooks, I think he gave a sermon once. It may have been him. It may have been somebody else. But on that thing, uh, that verse, and it says, your enemies shall be your footstool. Now, I used to think that I was just going to be trampling all over them, right? You know, <laughs> I was going to have victory over them. But that's not really what that means. All of these people, even these people in LNG White's life, they are there for us to get to heaven. They are there to lift us up. And here's how. When these things happen to us, God will reveal this is an opportunity uh, for us to become acquainted with who we are on the inside. Because the Bible says the heart is deceitful and wicked above all things. Who can discern it but God? So on the inside, you know, it's going to come out. So whatever is there. So if they tell you out and you tell them back out. Okay, so there's some little growing that we have to do, right? You know, we don't need to just tell people back out, you know, um, or if they tell you out and you say, you know, I'm going to pray for you, genuinely meaning it, not being facetious, but, you know, I'm going to pray for you, or even don't say anything, but pray for this person, that shows you who you are too. So that your enemies, these people are here, these same people that's offending you, they're here to help us you know, to help us get better, to help us see who we are, to help us not be sensitive to this. And also, uh, for me, this is hard to say, that whole thing of she gets on my nerves or she made me mad or whatever, 
that's about pride. That's our self-pride. And we have to not, you know, who am I that a person can't say this or that too, you know, and stuff. And like she says, it's hurtful. It's definitely hurtful. But what we do in response is tells us where we are in our Christian walk and how much for, not that we are, you know, worse than other people or, you know, are we just as bad as everybody else, but simply that we still may need to grow a little bit or we can praise God, I got the victory over it. This time, I didn't think about tell, giving her a piece of my mind. This time, I didn't want to. So that's um, when we look at it from that perspective. They're here to help us. And we can praise God for them because they definitely will help. Yeah. And you know, Lakita, you also, with me, I've seen that part of me saying, let her go ahead and do her screaming and stuff and mm-hmm. just and just just drive away but it made me go back to think that as a child this was stuff my brothers and sisters were trying to pray and trying to teach me just cause a person is yelling and screaming at you don't make you have to do it two wrongs don't make a right and I thought you know even when that person was doing it I said well maybe someday she'll forgive me and and at that point I really hadn't you know got into details I just said Lord maybe someday she'll forgive me and so, I've, you know, I've tried to stay away from the church and stuff and, you know, and go and fellowship other places. But my thing was that, you know, all this time, I, it took me to be 60-some years old to realize why my brothers and sisters, and I used to be like, why they don't say nothing back to these people? They just sitting there and just bowing their head like they praying or something. And now I find out, <laughs> I see what they were doing. They were like... You know, it wasn't the use. It was no use when that person is already upset and yelling and screaming. Why would I stand there? They just walk away and keep their head low, that laid down. And I said, and now I find myself doing the same thing. But when I'm walking away with my head down, I'm praying for them. Right. Because you know, like uh, we're reading on this reading, it's not them; it's Satan. Right? He's, you know. Yes. If we could just, and it's hard, and I'm there with, you know, like everybody else, I just happen to know that, you know, I'm trying my best not to hold it against people and stuff, but I, because I know that this is just Satan, he's trying to destroy everybody, anybody and everybody. He just want to destroy you. That's all. You don't even have a reason to, you don't even have to be trying to teach nobody about God. You don't even have to be learning about God. He's going to just try to strike you with something, you know, an abusive man in your life, children all upset. He just hates us because God loves us. That's it. That's all it is. And I think that's what he came after the uh, Ellen White and her husband about. Mm-hmm. He knew that the word of God was going to come through them. They were going to, you know, continue to go on and praise God and uplift him wherever they went. And he has tried everything to try to stop the whites, but God's message still got out there. And mm-hmm. she still wrote her books that God and the Holy Spirit led her to read. I mean, led her to, to write that we may be able to go back and say, well, if they, if God brought them through this and God brought the biblical people in the Bible through this, he'll bring us through also if we just stay faithful. Right. It's not like Karen and um, Andre are doing the testimonies of the church series, right? So they're just in the in the organizing stage and they're just, you know, he's shooting a little things, don't nobody want to come or they say they're going to come and then they don't come and blah, 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 you know. But when that thing goes off, it's going to be a whole new thing. Even if he has to go so far as to change up Roku, which ain't been doing nothing for 20 years, just, you know, and it's just been sitting there. As soon as they start doing something, who knows how he's going to do it, but it's just not because they didn't do it right or, or they need to do more. It's simply, he just hates us. He just hates us there. You know, he don't want you moving around. He wants you miserable and unhappy. It's funny that you say that because we were in a class, I think it was last year for media um, through the pastor at Oakwood. And he really identified that there is a media demon that is specially assigned to stepping on the internet lines, knocking over computers, uh, messing up the mouse. Um, last week, the last week, couple weeks ago, when 
Karen was doing one of these classes. I was trying to set it all up. And usually I can just click the buttons to start it up on YouTube or Facebook. YouTube worked fine. When I got to Facebook, the button wasn't even on the screen to hit go live. I couldn't make the screen even show the button. So for the first few minutes, I'm fighting and fighting and fighting. Where is the button to go live? Uh-huh. And I just realized what you said. I said, this ain't nothing but the devil. I said, I usually just hit the button. The button was I was nowhere on the screen. I had to figure out something else. And I said, Lord, please help me figure this out. But there's always more, uh, more ways to do the same thing. So I figured it out, but it was after a few minutes. And I said, okay, well, you know what? All right, devil, you 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 might have won that little five minutes, but um, we're going to keep at it. We're not going to stop. We're going to keep on. So we were in the battle. You know, when you go to war, who on the front lines complained? They over there shooting at me. <laughs> Nobody complains that they're shooting at you because that's what you're in. You train for the battle. So we shouldn't be complaining when we go to church every week to train for the battle. When he starts shooting, we should expect it. And we should be trained on what we should do when he comes after us. And that's to get on our knees. You know, but then, and you know, go ahead. Go ahead, Patsy. Go ahead, Patsy. I like what Karen said when she said, that's the armor. We got, we got the sword, the Bible. We just need to start studying and reading it for ourselves and put on God's armor and not let nothing shake our faith nor win or anything blow us to or fro. Mm-hmm. But also, takes, also, what is nice to know that God says that his word will not return to him void, but it will accomplish that which he sent it. So when we're out spreading the word of God, yeah, obstacles come up, you know, the devil's fighting against it, but God's going to win out ultimately. So we can be uh, find enjoyment in knowing that obstacles hit us, problems and trials, but God's word is going to make it through. Yeah, and that we have to pray more. I've been feeling like, you know, we need to just pray more because it's, um, I think the battles are going to be more heated. It's going to be, you know, um, the deception. Deception is not like an open line. It's, uh, you know, it's under caring, it's under the cover. And then by the time that thing gets full blown, you like 10 feet behind. It's just, you know, hard to come back from it. So we have to really pray that the Lord will help us to put on that armor, like you're saying, Patsy, um, you know, and Karen, that we need to be wearing that and praying, praying a lot. I think also that, you know, right now, the Lord is allowing the little annoyances in our lives you know, things just kind of go wrong, things breaking down, things we have to, but it hasn't been more than we can handle because good like that. But I think he's preparing us and he's taking us through stages to get us to show that he's never going to allow more than we can handle. And he's going to be there with us through it because there's going to come a time when he's going to tell the angels to let go of the four winds. But his people will be prepared. Just like when Jerusalem was destroyed, the people who were listening and praying and watching, they knew when to get out of the city. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And so they escaped the destruction. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and the, the priests, they took the Ark of the Covenant and they took it before the city was taken. They took it and they hid it in the earth. And then the people who were watching and praying escaped the city. And so I think that by the little annoyances that are happening when we, you know, like, okay, God, why? Why are these, 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 these things, these annoyances happening, keep happening? You know, like, like I was in Clayton. I went to see Dr. Beeks. I parked across the street from her office. I came out and someone had hit, had, had hit my parked car. It's like, why, Lord? <laughs> you know, I, I make a police report. There's no cameras on any of the buildings nearby. There was a, there was a bank right, right next to the parking lot. The, ba- the bank didn't have any cameras on the outside of the building to see who hit my car. <laughs> there was another bank across the street on the other side of Dr. Beek's building. It didn't have any cameras on the outside. 
The only place that had a camera on the outside was too far down the street to catch it. You know, things just things happening. But I think, you know, and so I ended up having to use my own insurance to get the repair made. But yep, been there, done that. Yeah. So, you know, and then we went over here about a couple of weeks ago. We went over to find Richard Brooks because we couldn't get in touch with him. And the last thing we heard from him, he, he was in a bad accident. So I was like, Lord, please don't let him be dead in the house, been dead for a couple of months and nobody ever checked on him or visited him, you know? Mm-hmm. So we went to check on him. On the way going over there, a, a, a rock hit my windshield and my windshield cracked. Excuse me. <laughs> Devil just want to pick at you. Yeah, yeah, and stop you. If yeah, Devil picking at you. Okay. You know, in our house right now, in our house right now, we have this outrageous infestation of fruit flies, <laughs> and I can't figure out where it. it it's like where did this come from? You know, we make sure we put all the food trash down the garbage disposal you know the only thing is in the house is paper trash you know it's like where is this coming from lord what's going on I and so it's coming on you, your got huh? you got some plants in your house i do have plants yes i do have plants. Try looking at your plants they come in yeah. on the produce that you buy too yeah that's that could be it too i mean it's just it, it's just the the infestation is just okay i'm gonna bomb the house tomorrow but <laughs> side note but it's like it's like okay and then the lord is like i'm preparing you step by step when these things happen you can it's not like you can't handle it you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. but it's like because things are going to get worse but i'm preparing you step by step go down this road so that you know what to do. You know how to handle it. Yeah. There's going to be a time when I'm going to tell the angels, let go of these four winds. But you will have, you you all, my people will be prepared. Because I've taken you down the steps from, from a nuisance to an annoyance to a hindrance to a wall. And you'll know what to do. Yeah. Also, as Lakita had mentioned earlier, too, about the enemies being our footstools because they give us opportunities to be more like Christ. So I had the same type thing going on. Seemed like there was always some little minor annoyance. And I'd be like, Lord, why can't it just be smooth sailing? You know, and it's like they say, if the mountain was smooth, you couldn't climb it. So what we're learning through these trials and tribulations is dependence upon the Lord. We learn in patience. We learn in perseverance. We learn in trusting God because when the times hit where it's a lot harder, all these little inconveniences have built up our stamina. They built up our faith muscles. So yes. these big, bigger issues, they don't bother us like they would if we hadn't had these small ones. Just exactly. that David fought the lion and the bear before he met Goliath because he wouldn't have been able to handle Goliath without it. So always exactly. opportunities to draw us closer to God and learn to depend depend on him. Even though they seem like small things, they are building up those faith muscles. You know, what's funny about that is when something happens, you you go, oh, I've been here before. I know what to do with this. Yeah, because <laughs> you know, as I listened to Sister Karen, I said each, each time there was what she called a, a, a distraction, God brought her out of it. He let her know you got insurance. I I got you covered. Then when her windshield cracked, I got you covered. And mm-hmm. so you know, it's always like they say when Satan is attacking. If you if you got a relationship and you hooked up with God, He gonna bring you through it. And I and, and like like I said, I said once I get, once I went to court while she was trying to fiddle with my papers, I started praying. And then she, you know, said, well, we'll come back in October. You get the last two things done. So I came home, and I was just praising the Lord, praising the Lord. Next thing I know, we had a big storm out here. I can't run my dishwasher because my garbage disposal is broken. I said, well, Lord, 
I, I said, and, and Paula was nice. She gave me a mat that you could stand on. I said, well, Lord, I just have to do dishes for a while by hand until I get my garbage disposal fixed. I said, because I know you'll get it done in your time. I ain't trying to rush the Lord. I said, in his time. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the Lord is good like that because yep. his time is the right time. Yes, ma'am. Sometimes you wonder why things don't go smoothly. We just had an incident with just buying a a air conditioning unit and putting it in. I had a guy that I knew was experienced, had been doing it for 30 years, ran into all kinds of problems. So I sit there with Karen going, why? But instead of asking why, it's what did I learn from this that I can use later when something else crazy comes or another crazy person comes you go, oh, I, I know that. I know that person. Run away. I know that comment. I know that type of person. But but you learn from these from these uh, situations what to do next. It's all experiences, you know, that 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 help us. So we should we should count it all joy. Is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Oh yes. Oh yes. Yeah. All right, um, Lee, where are we? If there's no more comments. <laughs> Lee, where are we uh, next week? Uh, next week, we're in the book Christian Service by Ellen White. It's chapter six, and the subparagraph is learning by doing. And it says uh, page 64.5 or paragraph 64.5, learning okay. by doing. Okay. All right. Uh, Lakita, would you mind praying us out? Most honorable Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much for your goodness and your mercy, dear Lord. Dear Father, please help us that when um, these trials come upon us, that we will count it as as our joy, as Andre has said, that we will remember that these people who set themselves against us are not really setting themselves against us, but they're setting themselves against you. Help us, Lord, to understand that they're giving us an opportunity to practice what we preach, dear Lord. Please give us the staying power that it takes Help us, Lord, not to be daunted in the work that you put within our hands to do. Let us use our time, talent, and temporal treasure to move forward in your work, Lord, and to become uh, successful in our lives with our family, our friends. We ask, Lord, that you will uh, bless our efforts to bring Christ to you, to them, dear Lord, and that um, the Spirit of God will rest through and abide in our hearts and our minds. Let the words that we heard today, um, the comments that were made, Lord, help us to Think about these things and let them lodge in our lives and change us for the better. In Jesus' name we pray. Always. Amen. 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 Thank you for joining us today and we will see you next week.